Hello folks, welcome to the RLS podcast. <clears throat> Good start with another choke. Um, we're on episode 49. Um, almost hit the hit the 50 number and right on time the bell clock goes off. Um, mind you, it must only be quarter past. No, it's half past, so it's not, not such a bad one. But today <clears throat> we are going to speak about disordered eating. Um Things like my fitness pal, how that affects it. I'm going to talk a little bit about my kind of journey with disordered kind of eating habits um, and basically tell you the difference between disordered eating and um, an actual eating disorder. Uh, there is a difference and it's important to not get them mixed up because an eating disorder is like obviously like a quite serious thing. It's like a, a medical condition that's actually... Um, you actually have to go to a doctor and they actually have to tell you that that's a thing without before you say it um it's obviously a subject i'm not an expert on and i just want to make that very clear a lot of this is based on my own experience and i will not step out of my lane and try to tell you how to fix an eating disorder and um, i am more gonna tell you about the warning signs um and how you can kind of avoid dropping into disordered eating patterns um, when dieting because um, it is a fact that dieting fat loss fad diets um, anytime you go to change your body and go very aesthetic focused um, also as an athlete these disordered eating is something that is massively prevalent um, amongst amongst athletes and amongst uh, individuals that lose a hell of a lot of body fat um, and I have been right into the into the trenches with it and uh as a young kind of malleable teenager, it was something that affected me quite a lot. So I want to just talk about the warning signs and talk about how to try and not go too deep into dieting and kind of, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it and it's a lot more complex than my knowledge stretches right now, but I'm also going to recommend some really good resources afterwards to, to find out more about this. If it is something that you um, think you're affected by. So, it is obviously really important to know the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. As I said to you, an eating disorder is an actual medical condition um, that would be diagnosed through the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's technically a mental disorder. Um, just because that is um, something that you may have suffered with before, or it may be something that you you have disordered eating, you don't need to think you've got a mental disorder, you don't need to think there's something wrong with you, um, but we do need to be very aware of it. Um, so let's go through the differences. So an eating disorder, as I said, is a medical condition. Um, it's essentially, it involves things like obsessive thoughts about food, extreme, extreme concerns about calories, significant changes in weight, obsessive thoughts related to weight and your shape. Um, actual impaired functioning due to the way that you've approached dieting or eating um, there is actually negative health effects being inflicted on your body um, so disordered eating is a little bit different in the sense that it it's not a medical condition um, it's kind of like it could involve things like eating for reasons other than nourishment or hunger it could involve eating to deal with stress or difficult emotions engaging in calorie restriction, binging or like purging irregularly, 
or on a limited basis obviously works both ways um or like avoiding major food groups and only eating certain foods or doing like kind of fad diets and um just it's important that we kind of state that one the an eating disorder has been allowed to go to a serious place but disordered eating is something that a hell of a lot of people will be able to relate with um and possibly have been has been part of their life for a certain amount of time i know for me it definitely was um and i'm gonna kind of explain that a little bit further down the line um again just to kind of um uh, how would you say like uh god my brain's not working very quickly today like uh how can i not think of this Honestly, like, see, when you drink at the weekend, your brain just goes, like, it just breaks. I cannot think of the word that I'm looking for here, and it is so, so simple. But just, like, a description, you'll be shouting at the podcast saying, like, Ryan, how could you have not thought of that word? A description of what an eating disorder is and what disordered eating is. So an eating disorder is a complex condition characterized by abnormal eating habits that impair health and an individual's ability to function. Disordered eating involves behaviours that limit choices, restrict food intake, lead to discomfort, cause a sense of being out of control, or create negative emotions such as shame or guilt. Um, So it's important, again, to decipher between the two, although disordered eating in loads of occasions can result in an eating disorder. Um, That's obviously like the warning signs and then the actual condition afterwards. Um, Again, just a little kind of insight into like how disordered eating could come about it look it tends to come about for like there's obviously like this is the big argument about tracking calories and the big argument about diet culture and the way that it looks nowadays with social media and instagram and things like that like a lot of the causes can come from culture society celebrity culture tv movies social media online influencers and that can very much lead to a distorted view of body image and an unhealthy relationship with food and also disordered eating can come on from like mental health conditions such as anxiety depression ocd and and like these things may contribute to the onset of disordered eating um a particularly stressful time in your life can trigger disordered eating and again so things like like a loss of appetite or like eating for comfort can very much come from from stress, like a really stressful time in your life. Um, and like like trauma, like trauma within your life can can lead to disordered eating and eating disorders as well. Um, yeah, it's important to understand that like these things don't just come out of nowhere. It's not just by chance. There is typically a trigger for this happening. Um, I mean, again, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna speak about like minds a little bit, but minds most definitely came from first of all, finding comfort in in food from stressful situations. But then it was definitely elevated by by Instagram. Like growing up in a growing up in a world where like Instagram was just coming to be and um influencers were just becoming a thing and like the fitness industry in its like I mean it's obviously always been around, but the the beginning of the online fitness industry on social media was very much the thing that distorted my my image of what I should look like or um or what I should be feeling like or the body shape that I should have. Like there's a lot of these like YouTubers on like and don't get me wrong, like everyone is in a position where they can improve their thinking, they can learn from their mistakes. But the initial 
people that first started fitness YouTube, like a whole load of them are a lot to be a lot to say for like the the issues that a lot of us have got with disordered eating and um, and body image nowadays. Um, I know there's a lot of them that have come through the back of it and they're like, they're really coaching and they're really preaching good stuff nowadays. But a lot of them were very, very responsible for creating. So for me anyway, I know for a lot of people as well, like particular individuals on YouTube were like telling us that we shouldn't do this and this was a good food and this was a bad food and this is the only exercise plan you should be doing. And like some of the shit on YouTube over the years has just like fried my brain over the years anyway. I know that for a fact. Um, but luckily we're beginning to see like a clamping down of that stuff. Like people are very quick to cancel people that that send the wrong message. Um, we're getting, like, I'm, obviously there's a positive and negative to cancel culture, but one of the positives was that it canceled all these absolute morons on um, on YouTube that were giving really damaging advice. Um, I could name a few, but it's probably it's probably not fair. Like there, there's a whole load of them. You'll probably be able to... Um, know them by when you look on youtube it's like how to get shred a shredded six pack in four weeks or how this supplement helped me lose five kilograms and this is the only supplement for you and that kind of shit like that stuff is not helpful for diet and culture one single bit um Again, important to understand the the symptoms of disordered eating. Um, and look, I could probably tick off a whole load of these things. Um, I could probably, like when I was 18, 19, I probably could have ticked every single one of these boxes. So, and again, I don't need to feel triggered, like if you're doing some of these things, because like I'm, I'm literally, I'm still doing some of these things now and again. Um, but it's just like, if you're ticking like every single one of these, then there's a good chance that you might want to kind of, you want to bring that to the bring that to the surface and um, so things like again it's just behaviors that you need to be aware of like avoiding certain food groups binge eating calorie restriction or extreme dieting like massive fluctuations in weight and um, eating due to boredom eating to cope with stress eating to deal with emotions um elaborate kind of strange rituals related to food and eating and um, eating the same things every single day engaging in limited or irregular binging and purging and feeling guilty for eating or eating certain foods, labeling foods good or bad, misusing diuretics, laxatives, um, self-inducing vomiting. Um, obviously, kind of we're all familiar with um, like bulimia and things like that. Well, not everyone is, but you understand probably what's meant by it. Um, skipping meals, taking an all-or-nothing approach to healthy eating, diet pills and supplements to lose weight. Um, you kind of got to be aware of some of these things. So... I want to talk about my experience and I've probably shared a couple of these things before, but not every single one of them. And um, so I just want to be absolutely honest with you guys. Like I have went through a phase of my life from probably like 18 through to 21. Um, maybe even it probably started way earlier than that, if I'm being honest. Like I think it comes from a point of like when I was younger, being a little bit more overweight and um, really feeling insecure about that. And getting a little bit bullied for it at school and um, don't feel sorry for me i promise uh like getting bullied at school and always having that chip on my shoulder that i was like i was fat or i was bigger even things like on the football park like i remember when i was playing football someone was like that kit doesn't even fit you and even up until i played for forfer like i was literally playing like at a decent level for forfer and i was always pulling my top and thinking oh god people are going to think i'm fat um 
So this led me into this, as I talked about before, this new age of like social media and fitness influencers. And I followed so many of these people and I was just like, that's my motivation to get to that place, to look like a particular person. And I was like looking at people on YouTube and thinking I could look like that. And I was so ill-informed to think that I could look like someone else when in reality, like it's yourself against yourself. And some of the things I did, um, and I'm actually like, I'm not embarrassed to admit it, but there's some things when I look back, I actually just remembered this one the other day because I didn't think much of it. Um, but then when I actually like read into it a little bit, I was like, why the fuck was I doing that? So like, the first one was actually like taking laxatives after a night out. Like this sounds fucking ridiculous. Like taking laxatives after a night out to remove the bloat that I had or to get rid of what I had in my body. And I thought that was a good idea. Um, as you could imagine, the result of laxatives tends to be going to the toilet. But I created this idea that if I do that, I get rid of all the badness inside me. Um, but in reality, it was just fucking up my digestive system on a weekly basis. And I wonder why I've now got digestive, not problems, it's gotten better, but I've for a long time I had pretty bad digestive problems. Um, I had extreme guilt after meals and takeaways. Um, because I was dieting so hard every time I went to eat I was like gorging like I was eating so so quickly because I was so starving that that then had a negative effect on my digestive system Um, like extreme restriction after the weekend so Monday would be a case of how little can you eat like let's see how how little you can eat Ryan and get away with it and get to your bed at night um, and go from there Um, I was using calorie tracking as like almost like a currency not a tool so there's one thing James Smith says, like I really like James Smith, but there's one thing he says that I really don't necessarily agree with it. Um, he always talks about like calories in the sense of like like a currency and like depositing and withdrawing um, money. Like if you don't save as much as you spend, like then you'll lose weight. Like I, I get it, like I get his message, but I also think it's it's a dangerous way to look at it because if we continually look at calories as a currency, you're just like, it's like you're kind of depositing money into the into the bank of you. Like, okay, this 500 calories goes into the bank. Now I've got to think about um, making sure I expend 600 calories by doing a gym session. That's where people can get very obsessed with calories, just being a number and just kind of constantly thinking about the energy balance and constantly thinking about like being in a deficit. Uh, so that's a dangerous one. Weighing constantly, like co- like constantly scale weighing yourself. Um, again, we all know how much this can trigger you. Like if you weigh yourself every day and you don't see what you want to see, then you can get like really upset and it can actually ruin your day. And um, when in reality, if we have our kind of um, rational hat on, like we know that our scale weight can fluctuate so, so often. Like on a daily basis, you could fluctuate anywhere within like two to three kilograms of you eating off. So is that going to be a true representation of how much body fat you've lost or gained? Not really. Um, as I said before, like I was obsessed over like Instagram and comparing people. And like you probably did it when you were a bit younger, most of you, but like I would literally put a photo up on Instagram and just sit there, look at the likes coming in and be like, come on, come on, man, fuck that shit. Like I didn't get enough likes on that. Like I must need to lose more weight or I must need to get more shredded. And like you, my motivation, like almost the whole year for my holiday was like, right, I'm going to go on holiday. I'm going to be in the best shape possible. And on the first day, I'm going to make sure on the first day I get this photo taken for Instagram and I'm going to be in the best shape of the year. 
And then, fuck, that's it. Like, and I just said, that was my end goal. How like shallow and surface level is that? Um, that the only reason I was getting in shape the whole year, and I was fucking motivated. Like this was like a burning fire inside of me to make sure that this happened, which is quite sad, really, when I think back to it. Um, all that for just like one photo. And I've still got the photos on my Instagram. If you scroll back on my like normal page, I've got the photos. Um, and the thing I then did the next year was looked at that photo from the year before and I was like, I've got to fucking beat that. I've got to beat that. Um, again, which is quite sad. And I suppose that's like a lot of the way that, that's the way that bodybuilders operate is like, all right, how can I be better than my last show? How can I be better than the last show before that? And how can I get an even better shape? And it's like, there's a means to an end. Like you cannot continuously get in better and better shape, but it's quite sad that people go like 20 years of their life constantly doing that um, and come off the back of it with really fucking bad relationships with food. Um, I'm not saying it's like a, a bad thing to do. Like bodybuilding is an impressive sport and I much respect like the people that can do this year on year, but it's uh, for me and you, Joe Bloggs, is it really is it really a good idea? I, I would argue that it's, it's really not, unless you really know what you're getting yourself in for. Um, but that's who I thought I was. I thought I was going to be a bodybuilder, um, but wasn't wasn't living like one. I never got anywhere fucking near it. Um, going to bed starving was another one. Like going to bed fucking ravenous and thinking it was a good idea um, and thinking that was what it needed to do. My theory was that if I go to bed starving, I will wake up in the morning and be thinner and you you know that that thought process behind like every time I wake up in the morning like I look really good and I look like I've got a six pack and my belly's flat by night I'm fucking bloated and I look minging yeah yeah food that's what's going to happen um it doesn't mean you've loaded loads of body fat on um again another one that like I originally was quite scared to share was like my libido was gone for about a year like (laughs) like and um if you don't know what libido is, I'm sure most people do. It's literally, you can get hard on for about, a proper one for about a year. Um, and I don't mind sharing that because it is a fucking dangerous thing that can happen. Um, it's one of like, as a as a male, like it's one of the, one of the main things you need to be able to do is like um, your reproductive organs need to be able to work for you to function as a, um, as a straight male. Um, you kind of need to be able to do that. And if you're not able to do that, it's not just the case of not being able to have sex or not being able to um, reproduce. It's the case of if that's not working, your testosterone is fucking is plummeting. Your testosterone is not working. And what happens with low testosterone? You don't recover as well. You don't build muscle as well. You don't sleep as well. You don't have as much motivation. Like the testosterone in your body is your get up and go hormone um, as a male. Um, as obviously affects females in different ways as well. But if you've got low levels of that i even went to the doctor and said to them look my test must be low um but they were reluctant to send me for blood tests i don't know why um it would be nice to know that it was low at that point but they just batted it off and went now you're fine um but i wasn't uh so that took a long time to recover i'm being absolutely if i'm being absolutely honest that took a long time to recover um i am fully recovered now i've been for a while but uh it took a while and uh it was a first of all when I shared that I was like it felt a little bit weird about it. It can almost feel like a little bit inferior as a guy, but um, yeah, that was a big issue in my life for quite a long time. Um, and cutting out food groups, like again, I've shared all these stories before, but there was a time where I didn't eat a pizza, my favorite food. I didn't eat a pizza for honestly 
about six or seven months. It was probably even longer than that. It's probably from like December through to through to June or July, um, which is quite sad. And then I had the dominoes and, and only ate half of it because I couldn't eat it, which again, really sad. Um, and I've the kind of main message I want to take away from that is like all these things I've been through. Um, and obviously I've learned a whole load from this stuff as well. I didn't have anyone coaching me when I was going through this. If I did, I probably would have avoided a hell of a lot of it. Um, but I want to bring this to the forefront of people's minds when they are going through a phase of trying to get in really good shape or trying to lose body fat, that if you see some of these habits popping up, it does demonstrate to you that your relationship with food is going in a negative direction because you should not be doing any of these things or thinking the way that I was thinking. And it's just, again, it's especially easy for a guy of the ages of like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Like you're very much still, I like to use the word malleable. Like you, you can still be very much molded with your thought processes and you don't really, you don't really know what's what yet. And you don't really know what's the right way to think about things. And you don't really know like, there's a lot of pressure at that age to like be attractive and be like Instagrammable and um, be in great shape because at that age you're typically looking for like a girlfriend or a boyfriend and it, again it works from both sides of it. like it works from a female side as well like you very much want to be appealing to the other sex so that's a lot where a lot of the pressure comes from and um, so you literally sometimes do anything you will do anything to be in really good shape and a lot of the time it's like being scared about what someone will think that you look like when you're naked. If, if you're being completely honest with it, like a lot of the time you're scared about what people will think you look like with your top off or when you're in the gym or when you're like physically naked. Um, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And that's if you think deep down, like deep, 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 deep down, why you're dieting, why you want to lose fat, why you want to feel attractive, why you want to feel confident. Have a think about what that, where that actually stems from and understand that you can get in like shredded 5% body fat shape. But if you've got all of these different issues and all of these different problems alongside that, is it really worth it? Is it really worth losing that extra other bit of body fat, pushing even harder, um, dropping more pounds, dropping more kilograms just for a photo or just for a snapshot in time? that you can't sustain or would it be better maybe holding on to a little bit more body fat and actually not having any of these challenges and yes there is a happy medium where you can do both you need good support good advice when you're losing body fat or when you're trying to get in shape you need to know the warning signs hence why i'm doing this podcast you need to know when you've went too far you need to know when you're becoming a little bit too obsessive with it and when it does actually start labeling itself as disordered eating um, and disordered kind of views to diet and exercise, which is possibly a, a, a kind of another episode. Um, I want to get like a couple, I want to get a specialist on, on this in on this as well, because it's it's not something that I am a specialist on. It's obviously just more based on my own experience and my um, kind of basic understanding of the of the topics. So yeah, hopefully that that makes sense. Um it should should make sense. And I think like for me as well, like I've obviously been an example of how you can come out the back of it, but like it's important to state like some of these things like are still deep rooted in me, um, and I still catch myself doing particular things every now and again, like particular behaviors, particular ways I view food, particular ways that I view exercise, 
like for example, I'll be honest, and some of the things I possibly still do, just very, very occasionally now, which is a massive improvement on before, which it consumed me, is things like if I've eaten a particular meal, I sometimes feel like I need to exercise, which again is not always the truth, but I still have that a little bit deep-rooted in me. I still sometimes catch myself in the mirror looking at my body fat and going, I could pull off a little bit more there, I could pull off a little bit more. But in reality, I don't need to. I'm happy um, with the way that I look. And there's always a little bit of body fat that I could lose, but I don't always need to because it's not in line with what makes me happy. Um, Other couple of things that I do, like sometimes when I've eaten a particular meal, say, for example, on a Saturday night or a Sunday, I go and I say things like, I shouldn't have eaten that. Ryan, you just fucking ate it. So get over it um, and move on to the next thing. Like things like that are kind of things that I used to do all the time. Like that was like that last one was kind of like that little suspicion of, oh, do you feel guilty for eating that meal? Maybe I do just a tiny bit, but I've got a hold of those feelings and I understand when I'm being irrational with them. Not when I'm wrong, but when I'm being irrational. And again, I speak about like the irrational side of your mind. Um, your the irrational side of your mind very much has control of your thought over food and dieting and exercise when you're when you are within a period of disordered eating um it does kind of like the irrational voice is louder than your than your rational voice like the again you can call it like the monkey mind or something of if you've listened to the chimp paradox and it just says to you oh you should feel bad for eating this or oh fucking hell that's 500 calories you shouldn't eat that oh no that's unhealthy like sometimes you need to really get control of that irrational thought process um but yeah, look, it's important to understand that you can come out the back of it. You don't need to diet forever. Um, we know the the bare necessities for anyone's survival. It's food, water, clothing, sleep, and shelter. Food is is, is a necessity. It's something that we need. Um, and the way that I was kind of explaining this to someone the other day was that every time someone loses body fat, there is an inevitable weight gain after. Now, the, the trick is to obviously not go and gain all the weight back that you lost or else that fat loss phase may be ineffective and it may have not been sustainable and you may have not been able to stick to the habits. But for every single person that has ever lost body fat ever, there's an inevitable weight gain after. You must gain some weight after. So for me, if I go and lose five kilograms, I've got a six pack, I'm like really lean and I'm feeling like, wow, this is the best shape I've ever been in. I cannot just then go and keep going and 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 losing more body fat because if I keep doing that, I'm eventually dead. Like there is a point where your body goes, oh, by the way, you've lost too much body fat, we're gone. And I mean, it's a very rare situation, but that's just the extreme kind of example. There is always weight gain to be had after. And I'm not just talking about building muscle. I'm talking about fat gain. Fat gain is essential for you to build back up again. And it will happen inevitable of anything that you do. For my process with someone who comes into my program that wants to lose some body fat, that wants to go through a fat loss phase, there will be a fat loss phase where we may approach it in many different ways. We may track calories, we may drop weight, um, we may create some sort of structure with their eating, and we may help them kind of just build some good habits. What will happen is, as they drop body fat, I will make it very clear from the start that your fat loss, there's a means to an end with it. You will stop losing body fat at some point. 
we will look out for the warning signs. We will look out for any sort of indication of you getting negative feedback from your body based on this fat loss. Yes, sometimes fat loss isn't easy. Yes, sometimes you do need to grind. You do need to work hard to get the body fat off. But there is always a stage where we will go, okay, we've went too far or we've went far enough. Hopefully we get to the point before we think about having went too far. And the way that I describe it is like the shit zone. The shit zone is right at the bottom. If you imagine like a U-shaped graph, um, the shit zone is at the bottom and we want to avoid the shit zone. The shit zone is where you get negative feedback from your body. Your hunger is getting a little bit higher. You've got cravings. Your energy is not as high and you are actually getting quite a bit leaner, but you're not feeling too great. Um, there is always a stage that we get to that we need to stop. What do we do when we get to this phase? Well, we can do loads of different things and it's very individual to the person, but we would most likely go to a, a stage of maintenance. So this means stepping up the food, the calories, adding some extra meals in, whatever it may be, to get you to a place where you are at calorie maintenance or roughly at calorie maintenance. This is where you don't put on too much weight or you don't lose too much weight. You stay relatively the same. Um, again, how do we monitor this? We monitor this not only by scale weight, but how are you feeling? Like, do you, you are you feeling okay? Are you feeling like your performance is improving in the gym? Um, do you feel hungry anymore? Is your energy better? And then from there, what we sometimes do with clients, again, this is not the same for every single person, but this is the story of kind of what I was talking about with weight gain. We will allow that client to come out of their fat loss phase, come out of their restricted eating kind of area and build food back up to a position where food is not only just um, in like a slight surplus in terms of like you may put on some weight because what happens in a surplus or what happens in a maintenance phase is your food has enough body, your body has enough food to function and your body has enough food to get stronger, has enough food to recover. Um, and this is, this is where it really feels good. Like see, once you've done the fat loss phase and you go into this position, this is where things feel and start they start feeling really, really good. Your training feels good. Your energy feels good. You're not really hungry any, anywhere near as much anymore. Um, and you just build your body back up to a position of like kind of an optimal position where performance is just going to be at its best. Um, but what essentially happens if everything goes right is that you will, yeah, put on a little bit of body fat, but it's, it's necessary. You will build a bit of muscle and you will hopefully at the same time get fitter and stronger because of the increase in food and your performance will get better, as I said. Um, and what we then do from there is we do that for a period of time um, and we can steady the ship um, and make sure that you're not in a state of hunger or stress or bad mood or anything like that from being too restricted with calories. Um, and yeah, we steady the ship and we go from there and then we can decide what we want to do next. And we may, further down the line, do another little fat loss phase, again, based on your goals. We may just stay at maintenance. We may study the shit for a long period of time um, and just have you feeling really good. Um, and that's that's the place that you want to be. Like, fat loss phases are not, like, unless you're a bodybuilder and um, cutting and bulking for a show, we do not need to constantly be going fat loss, bulk, fat loss, bulk, fat loss, bulk. Like, that's not something everyone has to do. I think it's optimal for everyone to really find Drop that body fat if it's really needed to. If you need to drop body fat, let's drop body fat because health is obviously at the forefront. And if we lose body fat, it could be advantageous to athletic performance or it could be advantageous to your confidence. We, we know all the things that come with fat loss. 
But the, the pinnacle is for us to be able to hit a position where we can no longer be so focused on tracking calories, no longer be so focused on losing weight, no longer be so focused on um, uh, having to like burn calories and things like that. We can then be focused on just actually enjoying our life, enjoying our training, enjoying our life, enjoying food, enjoying a little bit more flexibility. Like, Would that not be the place that most of us listening want to get to? I think it probably is based on the people that listen to this podcast and the hundreds and thousands of people that listen to this podcast and maybe not hundreds and thousands, but you get what I mean. And so again, most of these things that I've just, I've just said, like some things you can do to come out the back of it, weight gain's okay. It's actually needed, not just muscle, actual fat is needed for hormones to return to normal. Um, food, food neutrality, like it's, it's looking at food as not good and bad. It's looking at food as looking at food as food. Um, you may actually then like not need to be doing as much exercise. That's kind of like an argument for another day. Um, you may be in a position where we remove calorie tracking altogether and just add a little bit of flexibility and see how you get on. Um, we may remove aesthetic goals. We may introduce performance-based goals. And again, I can just state it here that you, you won't just get fat again if you're coached through the process. Um, and again, it's important to remember your self-worth is far more than just your body. You cannot completely base all of your self-worth, everything that you are, everything that you stand for with your body. You are fucking much more than that. You could be like a dad, you could be a mom, you could be a sister, you could be a boyfriend, you could be a, a boss, you could have some sort of like amazing career, you could be like you could be anything. Like your your body is not just you. Like I know so many people with so many different shapes and sizes and heights and widths it's like you're you're not based on your body your self-worth is much more than that um, and a stupid little phrase is like your body is an instrument not an ornament um and uh yeah i think i've got one more so just a quick little thing to, to finish off on um if you feel as if you know somebody with an eating disorder or someone that suffers from disordered eating um it's important to kind of understand like what to do um not what to do but like not to tackle it in the wrong way because over like the past like year or so like I've, I've i've spoke to people and stuff like that about disordered eating and eating disorders and things like that and i've helped myself understand mine like what was wrong with me when i was kind of going through that little phase as well um i really wanted to understand it and understand why i've came to be who i am in terms of the way that i view food and um, so i took a real deep dive into that and kind of learned some things um, like the decision to make to work on your disordered eating or to work on an eating disorder is very much not an easy one for the person um, the person in question um, it's no doubt like the, the eating disorder has probably left them like malnourished it can kind of distort the way that they think about their body um, it could be adding more stress and um, could be mixing up their motivations so like bombarding these people with like warnings about health consequences or really kind of calling them out as, as such, not, not necessarily not calling them out, but being too straight down the line can actually be like, can be pretty negative. And you want to kind of allow that person to open up and be like a, be like a, how would you say like a, just a voice, a voice to listen to them. And so, yeah, don't, don't be too straight down the line because it can be meet, could be met with like defensiveness or or like denial 
Um, just be careful when approaching the subject. Probably pick a good time to, to speak about it. Don't pick a don't pick a time where they are already pretty down. Um, be prepared for resistance when it comes to it. Um, ask the person if they actually like have a reason for wanting to change. Um, and be patient and supportive with any of these things. Like if you know anyone that kind of suffers with this kind of stuff. Um, avoid shaming and blaming. Um, avoid giving simple solutions. Um, I can. I read so many things on the internet. It's just like practice positive self talk. And um, what was there was one that was so stupid. It was like um, practice food neutrality. Like yeah, that stuff's fine and well, but like how do you actually go about doing that? I was like, I just didn't think that was great advice. Um, like it's obviously it can help, but. Um, it's obviously not just as simple as that. And um, yeah, again, if you are someone that suffers with this kind of stuff and you feel like it really is it is bad, then like I'd contact a doctor. Um, but another person that I think is actually really, really good for this kind of stuff is Sarah Liz King. Um, and she runs, well, she doesn't run, she is part of like the Holistic, Holistic Health Podcast, Sarah Liz King. Um, and she discusses loads of different topics in relation to this. Um, and it's a lot of focused about it's focused with with women and uh, it's about like eating disorders bulimia anorexia um, and um, like regaining your period and stuff like that um, after kind of going through like an aggressive phase um, so yeah hopefully that helps hopefully if you have ever kind of suffered by anything like this like a lot of us have probably done some sort of disordered thing when it comes to eating um, and it's not like a bad thing. It's just something that a lot of us have been exposed to over the years. And um, I also, hopefully that didn't go to like, I didn't step out of my lane there and I didn't say anything that didn't really make sense because again, it is a newish subject for me. Like I understand it, but I don't know it in depth. So I am going to look to get someone on in the next few weeks that knows a little bit more about this than me um but hopefully that was helpful um i am more than open to a message if you want to discuss any of this kind of stuff if you've suffered with any of these kind of things please just give me a message on instagram um and we'll maybe be able to like point you in the direction of something or give you some sort of help on on where to go next um or i'd just be easy i'd just be really interested to know even if you've kind of felt the effects of um any of this stuff with like social media and with like influencers youtube and things like that even as a male or a or a female if you've kind of felt this before and you felt the pressures of it and um, it'd be really interesting to know thank you for listening and um, if you enjoyed that or if it hit home please give it a share on your story because the podcast is a little bit a little bit stagnant just now so if we can get some shares going that would be fantastic thank you very much catch you later